Hey, Crystal. Hey, Joseph. Shall we finish our commitment to answer a bunch of questions from college students about dating? Yes, let's. Listen in to find out more. Welcome to A Word from Our Outpost. With Joseph and Crystal Gruber. A podcast for Catholic disciples who are wrestling to be missionary-minded in their normal, everyday lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Direct, O Lord, our actions by thy holy inspiration, and carry them on by thy gracious assistance, that every word and work of ours may begin in thee, and by thee be happily ended. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. This retreat was months ago now. Yeah. And we said we would answer all the questions they submitted. We did say that. Fortunately, I don't think they emailed us any questions, so this should be the end of the batch. I think that that is true. And these are... These are good questions. I'm not saying they're not. I am saying that as a podcast, I think our audience is larger than the dating population. Or is a Venn diagram that overlaps with both the dating population and the non-dating population? True. But I think that these are really good questions that have to do with like living missionary life. In a particular, I think I'm more, as long as we answer them that way. Yeah, and and I think that we're going to. Oh well, then, please, dear listener, continue listening. <laughs> if you were waiting for the the hook, <laughs> apparently Crystal has hope to make this comprehensively relevant. Let's do it. Sure. So I think we have what four questions left. Yes, do you want to read the first one? What are healthy expectations to have in terms of a man's leadership? in a dating and married relationship. So healthy expectations to have in terms of a man's leadership. And I don't know if a man or a woman wrote this, so I don't know if they're asking, like, as a man, what should I be expected to do? Or as a woman, what should I expect the man to do? We typed out all the questions because I was worried about losing them. I think this one might have been in a woman's handwriting, but I could be misremembering. So I think it would be fun to answer it both ways. Sure. We, we, we've got the time. We've got the technology. Let's do it. So the man's leadership in a relationship. We, we talked on the retreat about how the man should initiate the initial asking. The, the man should initiate conversations to help feel out where the couple is, if they even are a couple, you know. Um, you know, it's an act of courage on his part to put forth his thoughts and feelings, his desires, and to ask for the woman to to reveal herself to some degree. And we talked about how this is this is a vulnerable thing, right? Because the the intention is for the man to become like Christ in how he loves his eventual spouse. And so all of the the language about initiation, all of the language about leadership is actually supposed to be through a Christian lens. Not just a Christian lens, a Catholic Christian lens. But in in this case, they're probably similar enough that I didn't need to make that distinction just now. And Jesus says, you know, do not be as the Gentiles, don't lord it over other people when you're in when you're in authority. Which makes sense because his apostles had authority in the context of a larger world that said, no, you, you, you are not in authority, right? The Rome is in authority. 
And so their authority had to be of a different kind. So moral authority would be one avenue to actually be living the life and be the example of goodness for others to follow. So in that sense, a man's leadership, he should have moral authority. He should be living a good life. He should be living a life ordered toward the true, the good, the beautiful. One that says prayer is primary and all other things radiate from that. So that, I would say, gentlemen, that is your ideal, to to be in a place of moral authority such that you would want other people to imitate you because you're imitating Christ. Is it my turn to talk about what the ladies? Or to comment on that, or I'm just pausing for pausing sake, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that that those are all really good points, and I think that... um, living life in community is going to support that. Having friendships is going to support that, which goes along with things that we've talked about before in regards to dating. And and I think one of the things that, that ladies can do to help encourage is for one. So the question is how can I ha- have expectate what, like what expectations are realistic? And I think if a man is falling short of, expectations calling out the good encouraging the things that that he is doing well is a great place to start and then um good true beautiful corrections in terms of how to do things better if there's room for that and and if that's appropriate within the context of the relationship but i often think i find in myself a whole lot of patience is the best solution there will be times where I might ask you Joseph to lead and then if you're not like on it I take over and if I would have like prayed a Hail Mary (laughs) you I that would have given you the space that I just I need to be more patient And, and so I think that that's something ladies can do in terms of of expectations and encouraging leadership is just wait a minute. (laughs) I think there are a few other ways to look at leadership that might be helpful as well. So one would be that the, the kind of leadership is servant leadership. So I talked about moral authority. Another thing would be servant leadership, right? So to say that the man should have some sort of leadership role it's in order to serve the woman, in order to set her up for success, in order to help her to grow, in order to help her succeed, especially at the tasks that are common to the marriage. So, like, gentlemen, your, your job is to set your spouse up for success, and, and that's what your authority exists for. So that's that should be helpful, and I think... There was a really helpful book that I got for Christmas called Turn the Ship Around about a, a naval nuclear submarine captain and how he totally redesigned what authority looked like on that submarine. And this overarching lesson that he was coming back to, I don't think he ever phrased it this way. I think somebody else phrased it this way when I told them about it. But essentially it was that his job was not to give orders, but to provide order. Mm. 
And that, I think, is a super helpful way to consider authority and leadership. To say, I want to set the conditions for success. I want to provide order, which means also ordering principles, which means being a man of discipline that honors these principles, so that people know what success looks like, they know how to pursue the common good within the family and the society at large. Practically, what does that look like? What does that look like, Crystal? Have I been... No, I'm not going to put you on the spot. That wouldn't be fair to me, because you're probably <laughs> going to well, I think have that, to admit that I'm not the that, man I yet want to be. That this really relates to the next question. Oh, How can I, as a woman, encourage the leadership of a man and communicate my desires without being controlling or overstepping? And I I think that this relates in the sense of, um, yeah, that what, what is the woman's role in regards to the man and how he is doing with these things, maybe? Yeah. I agree with all that has been said. <laughs> well, I mean, this was one of the things we we discussed, I think, in our first year of marriage, especially, that you would have all these thoughts and feelings and you wouldn't know if you should share them or not or how forcefully to share them. And for a little while, you just decided not to share them. It was like, I actually really need to know what's going on inside of your head and your heart, right? It, if I'm the captain of the ship, the captain isn't the one up in the crow's nest looking out at sea. He's getting reports from the guy in the crow's nest. He's getting reports from everybody else. And if you're, I mean, you're much more sensitive than I am. You're much more uh, probably aware of the world around us than I am. And so your data is absolutely critical, Crystal. Yeah, and I think this is something where for us having a time and a place for communicating certain things. Oh, yeah. is really important. That's how my leadership is expressed. Yeah. Because we have regular times for discussing both the the day-to-day and the week-to-week and the month-to-month and the year-to-year and to talk about hopes and dreams 5, 10, 20 years down the line. And that's helpful to say we have destinations in mind, we have checkpoints along the way, and we have times in which we can discuss. That's what I've done. Goodness gracious. Yeah, and that's super helpful. And I think it's also super helpful because it gives me the time and space to know like when and how to communicate my desires and my thoughts about things in a way that's not yeah, out of line or overstepping and in a way that I, I feel really heard. And so I know if you decide something different than what I communicated, I desired, I can trust that you you very, like, it, it's not because you just didn't want to do what I wanted to do or just because you wanted to do what you wanted to do more. Like, there's a lot of evidence for me that you're not always going to choose what you want as the first choice. Um, and that's really helpful. And oftentimes I think you actually choose what I want over what you want. Oh, likely. Yeah. 
I like you a lot, you know. <laughs> well, and so our, our most recent weekly meeting, you know, we made a goal, you know, probably a month ago now, maybe, no, more than a month ago, to to get the podcast restarted, to build an audience a little bit more. And so that's why we're recording tonight. Well, a lot of things have happened in the past few weeks. I don't know if you want to comment on any of it. Um. Sure. One of the things is that my father passed away and I had the great um, blessing to spend the last week of his life with him, which also meant that Joseph was being a single dad to four of our children for the better part of a week. So that happened. And then shortly thereafter, Joseph had a work trip where he went to get to go and give some talks, which was great. But then that <laughs> I was at home with all the kids. And now I have probably a small minor cold. and We've had a long day and we've had all sorts of different emotions. But at our last meeting, we, we got to reaffirm why is it our goal to do this podcast? It's because the world is, oh, there, there are all sorts of darknesses out there and all sorts of needs for encouragement. We would like this podcast to be a place of encouragement for people who desire to be little missionary outposts in the world. And that makes this important. So even though I would much rather take some NyQuil and go to bed, we're up recording this podcast because, not because I gave orders saying we must record a podcast now, but because we established an order to our lives saying that this is when we ought to record a podcast. And here is the time. It is that time. We should hold true to that. And we had an opportunity to talk about the importance of it. So we know it's not incredibly disordered for us to be doing it. Yeah. And, and a willingness to do it, even if it's not perfect. And even if it, the circumstances aren't as good as we hoped they would be. And that we get to, to decide these things together and to, to consider them together. And that that helps to make integrity in the moment easier. Yeah, this whole principle that if anything is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. We want to be examples of that for you, dear listener. <laughs> Another thing that I just think has been helpful in terms of like the leadership thing that's just like a little tidbit that I wanted to share practically speaking, which this is also helpful in like any, not just romantic relationships, but in friendships as well is uh, the carometer. Somebody told that, I don't remember where we got this, but we got it from somebody early on in our marriage. But this idea of on a scale of one to 10, how much do you care about this decision? So in terms of leadership for different kinds of decisions, this is one that that has served us well in different seasons of our lives. And whether it's going out to eat or who to spend the holidays with, it's nice just to be able to to give a point of clarity. Like how much do you actually care about this? Because on a scale of one to 10, if you like, 10 want a hamburger and I like three want pizza, then let's go get hamburgers. Um, and it, it just, I think it can be a helpful measure in terms of, okay, I want to practice letting my, the, the man be in leadership. I can communicate clearly with him about how much this particular thing actually matters to me. Yeah. And let that be part of the larger conversation mm -hmm. that's taking place where we've said, here are our priorities. Mm -hmm. Here are the principles that we're living by. Mm -hmm. We do that, don't we? You and I. Yeah. Ugh. 
And so I was looking at these questions and thinking, well, I don't know if I'm a good leader at all, but I'm starting to think that I'm trying to do an okay job. Yeah, you're, you're great. Oh. I'm really glad you're my husband. Oh, really? I'm really grateful for your leadership. Oh. Look at that. It's recorded. You can go back and listen to it sometime. I will. <laughs> Next question? Next question. I've been thinking about this one and waiting for it. Joseph, so this one is apparently for me. You realize that you could not just attend to your wife's needs of pleasure and making her feel good. So what did you do? How did you care for her deeper needs? So for context for this question, we gave a presentation, basically how we as human beings were motivated by uh, the usefulness of something. Use is always a means to an end. and That end is always going to be either pleasure or the good. Uh, and realizing that many people live upside down lives where we're first and foremost concerned for pleasure and then power and then only after that the good and the true and the beautiful and to be rightly ordered is to say no primary importance is is the good the true and the beautiful after that uh, we can be worried about power and pleasure and, and the like and my realization that when we were first married, Crystal, that I thought my job to love you well wasn't to help you to pursue the good, but to make sure that you were feeling pleased all of the time, right? Like, I wanted you to say always, well, I'm happy and I'm, I'm feeling good, but you got pregnant very shortly after we got married. You were, quote, morning sick. All day long. Sick. Which meant... I was not happy. Not happy. Just <laughs> just not happy. And then having the baby didn't make you feel all that all the good feels either. You had a spinal headache for a few days. He had trouble nursing. You had trouble sleeping. So I was looking at basically a year and a half of our marriage, if not more, where I was questioning... Am I a good husband? I think I broke my wife. I think I ruined her. I think that I must be a horrible husband because she doesn't feel good all the time. So one, uh, some of those not feeling good things uh, possibly could have been helped with like counseling and the like if you had postpartum depression, which now after more kids than just one, we're realizing, oh, that one was a little bit more unique in terms of your response and probably could have been addressed better. Mm -hmm. So one, to, to not ignore the feelings, but two, I think this does go back to the, the provision of order in life and to say here we as a family are pursuing these things. How can, how can we help each other to do that? Also to be attentive, you know, this realization we had a few years into marriage where I was getting a master's degree in theology and we were at uh, some sort of training event and you or I, I don't remember which one of us had this realization first, but this notion that maybe your ongoing formation could also be important. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? I sure do. Who had that realization first? I mean... I don't remember exactly, but I definitely remember like exactly where I was when I like 
realized that I was receiving something that I hadn't received in several years and that it was tremendously helpful. Yeah. Where were you? I was out outside and I think I was like near the adoration chapel. Were you, were you, were we in Florida at the time? Yeah. Okay. So I think you had the realization and then you told me. Yeah. Cause I, I remember being in one of the dorm rooms and having that realization. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did. Yeah. So the provision of order, opportunities to talk, the larger vision for what the family is for. But I, I, I think this also of me caring that you have opportunities to grow. Yeah. That 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 was huge. Well and and the like the vision for what is like capital G good. And, and how do I pursue that? Because the nitty-gritty daily life of the vocation of motherhood and being a stay-at-home mom and being open to life and homeschooling when the educational options aren't what you hope they would be, um, it's not like, it's not glamorous. I, you know, I think it's super exciting from the outside looking in, but when you're like doing the daily grind, it's like, oh, this isn't like, I mean, I don't know. I know some women that feel like it's a party all day long, but most women I know are like, okay. <laughs> and and when it's, when your response is, oh yeah, I'm sure that was really hard and like, I'm sorry you that it's not fun. It's kind of like reaffirms that it's a grind. Whereas when it's like, this is, this is the thing that sanctifies us. And this is when the rubber meets the road and this is going to make us holy. And I see how it's helping you be good. Um, then, then it's like, I, I feel like Joan of Arc or some, some other hero. (laughs) Yeah. It's not my job to feel bad when things are hard about the life that we've discerned together. Yeah. And, and I have this distinct memory of a woman that I really admire saying you can suffer well when you discern well and and so when we remember like no like we 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 chose this we wanted this it might um there are things that are always going to be different than you expect with whatever you choose and discern but but when you know you're walking into it having chosen it I think for for me anyways, it's helpful to be reminded of like, hey, this is this is what we, you know, this is what we signed up for. This is what we chose together. And like, yeah, it's hard, but it's beautiful and it's worth it. And how can we not, instead of how can we make it easier, how can it make us holier? <laughs> Ooh, that's a great question for me to remember, to ask you and for you to forget about and never ask me. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. I'll write it on our mirror. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, I think that answered the question. Yeah. So the last question, unless another question magically appears, is how do you grow in divine intimacy together as a dating couple and married couple? So having independent prayer lives is definitely going to be the first step especially for the dating couple, mm-hmm. right? If, if a couple only prays when they're together, well, that's going to be 
a li- that's a little strange. Mm-hmm. I don't. I haven't wrapped my head around that because I've never thought about it before. But it, it certainly sounds strange. Growing in divine intimacy together. I think this one is is interesting because I feel like different different couples that I know, sort of depending on what ways of praying they're drawn to, people have different answers. Um, I mean, I know a lot of families that will pray a rosary together, and I, I would at least hope that that <laughs> helps them grow in divine intimacy. I was just talking to a priest who worried that a, a family rosary for a lot of families might not actually help them grow oh, no. in divine intimacy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it was a Dominican that I was talking to, and he's like, I know I shouldn't be saying anything against the rosary. <laughs> but in his experience, you know, families, especially families with little kids, he worries that they start associating prayer with something sort of laborious and boring. And that's not no. especially helpful. Yeah. Interesting. But I haven't fully digested that. Something, though, that I think has been really helpful, like when we pray the rosary together maybe like in the car so like the kids can hear it and see it but it's not necessarily like stay on your knees and keep your beads in your hands or else kinds of things with them you know but it's us praying but like there have been times where you've done like really short meditations on the mysteries and that those are times where I think I've felt a growth in intimacy with the Lord and with you oh you like those oh I love them I've been missing them Oh, well, would you look at that there? <laughs> We've got a car trip next week. Why don't I can I can dust those off? That sounds great. And and I think, um, you know, that is an example of like that is some. I'm sure there are lots of. I'm not comfortable just like on the spot being like, here's a quick little two sentence meditation off the top of my head. Like that's not something anybody's going to be comfortable with. But I guess maybe. Not everybody. Some people will be because apparently I can do it like the drop of a hat. Yeah. So, so maybe my my point in sharing that example is like what it sharing our own prayer helps us grow in divine intimacy. I think you know, as a dating or even an engaged couple, um, being more reserved about what to share and don't share every. I mean, we don't even share everything as married couple um but we share more than we did and i think that it's good to share little and and by sharing i mean like like oh this is a way i like to pray can we pray this way together um is is a way to grow in divine intimacy as a couple i also liturgy of the hours is an example we've talked about and i think that that's a neat way to pray together we pray morning offerings together as well. Mm. That's the thing we've been most committed to for a long time. Yeah. For, yeah, most of our marriage, really. Yeah. And we've had some seasons that we've done better than others, but. But pretty often. And there are days when I can tell we're not quite in sync. And, and oftentimes it's a day that we didn't pray a morning offering. And we've been known to like stop <laughs> after like, breakfast or something like we didn't pray a morning offering let's fix that restart it's like a reset button yeah so i i think there's another aspect of divine intimacy that is super super helpful in marriage because literally 
our spouse is given to us so we can learn how to love rightly. And so to recognize our spouse as gift from God, and then to respond knowing that they are God's first. So this is God saying, here, here is this person named Crystal. She is my beloved daughter. Will you love her well? That's a helpful thing to keep in mind. It's a helpful thing to see like, oh, you you are a direct manifestation of the love of God because you've been put here as consolation and as cross. And so I should embrace you as both. And recognizing too that, you know, the, the, the manner in which you are a gift to me, at least right now, is that you also tend to love me with divine charity because otherwise I don't know how you could live with me I like living with you divine charity everyone just spoke <laughs> up but yeah it, you are uh, when I reflect upon how God loves me part of that meditation is understanding that he loved me enough to give me you Crystal as my bride which is a pretty enormous gift that I, I have, uh, what's the word? Not ignored, forgotten, that's not quite the right word. Neglected, not been fully cognizant of. That's a circumlocution if ever I heard one. Anyway, but it's good to be reminded of again and again. Mm-hmm. Like the the sacrament of matrimony is sacramental, which means the love that we share you and I is itself iconic of the love of the love of God so for dating couples I mean I if I can offer some frank suggestion don't sit on a couch in the dark and say we're going to pray together and that's it because we all know that the devil created couches in the dark as a way to ensnare dating couples. <laughs> and I think, too, this is a, a a good place to remember that in the same way, I think, you know, couples more typically will get caught up in being overly physically intimate and ignoring other aspects of things. But I've also certainly heard about couples being overly spiritually intimate. So keeping in check spiritual intimacy with other areas as well so you know balancing out or having sort of an equal consideration between physical spiritual emotional and intellectual intimacy i think too this is a good time to bring up again the fact that if we don't have good friends while we're dating where we can share things with them first right with if it's a dating relationship, these these words should not be exchanged. I've never told anyone this, but... Or I've been keeping this a secret until now, but... You should be able to tell at least one friend before somebody you're romantically engaged with. Yeah. So if you're like, I've never prayed with anyone before, but I'm going to pray with this pretty girl. It's like, well, maybe maybe try praying with a couple of your friends and uh, and if you don't have friends, 
maybe you should get some before you take out that pretty girl. Not to- <laughs> No, that's that's real. Like if 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 someone doesn't feel comfortable praying with you know their best friend uh or at least a good friend, you know, let's say the best friend may not be a prayerful person and that's that's fine. Um but if there isn't any friend that they they're like, "Oh, like I can talk to this person about my relationship with God. I trust them." And then to say, "Well, you know, I'm dating this girl, so I better start entrusting all of my spiritual life to her." Well, that's dangerous. Yeah, well, and, and maybe to feel out a little bit more why that's I was going to just say imprudent, but dangerous because our relationship with God is actually it should be prior to the dating relationship. Yeah, and and if and if it is dependent on the dating relationship, there's less freedom in the dating relationship because now it's well, I won't be close with God if I'm not with you anymore and that's that's not fair. Well, then we have to be together because if we're not, you know, that can't be God's will cuz God has brought me closer to God through you. It's like, well, I, I mean, assuredly, there's going to be some sort of sense in which uh, the person that we ultimately want to marry is bringing us closer to God. And that, that is a good thing. But, but just because somebody brings us closer to God doesn't mean that we get to spend the rest of our life with them. That's true. And we should also start with a relationship with God mm-hmm. prior to dating. Yeah. Just to come back to that point again, that it's, you know, if if you're discerning uh, a, a romantic relationship, divorced from sacramentality, if you're just looking for somebody, uh, you know, a friend with benefits, you know, a roommate that you sleep with, um, even then, you you you, if not a relationship with God, still having some kind of ordering principle prior to that relationship is going to be for your good, right? Like, uh, yeah, I, I just don't see any world where having a relationship with someone else should not be preceded by a relationship with our creator, which is also an acknowledgement that creation is good, that we are part of creation and we are good. And a relationship with good friends who can encourage us and help us to grow in virtue without the the sexual element. And then we can have a friend that has also the additional romantic side to it. I, I just can't get around. Like, that order is going to be more ideal, right? Yeah. It makes me think of, I think you've called it cheesy before, but I, I really liked it, the triangle image where you've got like, God at the top of a triangle and the girl at the one side of the bottom side of the triangle and the guy at the other side of the triangle. This is like an isosceles, maybe equilateral. Yeah. And so it's if, or like, even if you, I've also seen it like a mountain, it's like, you know, if the guy and the gal are just looking at each other, they stay the same distance apart. But if they're both looking at God and going up towards the top, then they get closer together and closer to God. But, but the 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 aim is getting closer to God, and that ultimately gets closer together. 
as well. Yeah. Like if, if we don't have a, an ultimate purpose over and above a romantic relationship and see how the romantic relationship helps us to achieve that ultimate purpose in the Catholic context, that is union with God and complete deification by grace and uh, if, if, if we don't have that kind of larger purpose that everything else is helping us tend toward then we don't have any grounds for making the decision like this is for our good or not for our good because you know good for what you know good for uh, achieving our largest purpose there are goods in and of themselves but Sorry, I'm starting to digress, and you're making the wrap-up sign. We're meandering. So, I think growing we're... in divine intimacy. Start first off growing in divine intimacy oneself, always and ever. Um, yeah, because none of us live forever, and if my relationship with God was entirely dependent upon my wife being alive, if I outlive her, I don't want to be an. I I I don't want to be an atheist. Definitely, distinctly see the possibility of being mad at God for that, but I, I, I would want to hash it out with that guy, and not just say, "Well, therefore you don't exist because I don't like you," yeah. which would be, in my particular instance, what I would envision me doing. The hashing it out, or the well, one or the other. Either, either yeah. I would hash it out with him, or I would uh, be bitter and. Yeah, this this is this is yet another reason why uh, we probably shouldn't record late at night. <laughs> Shall I close us in prayer? <laughs> Do we have any? I don't plan on any, doing more dating episodes in the near future. We have a lot of other things we'd like to talk about for this podcast. I'll actually probably be uploading the talks that I gave for training for missionaries. For some of the upcoming episodes if I can arrange that but if you have more questions you can contact us at hello at our outpost.org also if there are things I think we'd like to focus more and more on this idea of like what does it mean to be an outpost in for the kingdom of heaven in the world that we live in today um, so we'd love questions you have about that especially yeah. We're also trying to grow our podcast audience. So if you've been a faithful listener and you think, I wonder if any of my friends know about us, us being Joseph and Crystal, uh, the answer is probably not. The pro- Probably not. Dear listener, if you're especially still listening to this very end. Yeah. If you are, if you're like 40 minutes in and you're still at the edge of your seat. Are Joseph and Crystal about to to lay out something epic and life-changing? Well, actually, maybe. Maybe. Keep listening. And you're faithful. So if you want to share us, maybe maybe not this episode. Oh, no, there were a lot of gems in this episode. There were some good gems, that's true. I realize that maybe I'm not a horrible husband in it, which is <laughs> a good thing. And I think that we made a few other points along the way as well. Wonderful. All right, I'm going to pray us out now. Okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Yeah. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for um, for the sacrament of matrimony, for um, the opportunity to share things that we have learned and explore these ideas together um, and share them with other people. We pray your blessings on our listeners. We ask all this in your holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. From our outpost to yours, thanks for listening. And a special thanks to John Mark Skoke. That's S-K-O-C-H. For the music. Check him out on Spotify. 